Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. All right. I am so happy, my friends who are listening. Uh, Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for plugging me into your ears. It's a solo show with a guest. Tamar had plans today. I know, wah, wah, wah. But I have a guest here today. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to her and her to you because A, I've known her. She's been in my circles for many, many, many years. She is a fellow and of one biohacker. Uh, She is a founder of an incredible company that we're going to talk about. Uh, She has a wonderful product that you're going to want to get. I promise you that. Uh, And we're going to talk about the disease of alcoholism a little bit, I think, you know, and, and, how do we support those perhaps who have it? And then how do we create really great habits in our lives? Oh my goodness, Leslie Kenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And as you said, uh, we have known each other for a number of years now. Mm. And I I listened, watched a wonderful lecture you gave on the endocannabinoid system, mm. probably in 2017. which knocked my socks off. And uh, we're both early bulletproof coaches. Yeah. But obviously we were attracted to that for a reason. And Mm -hmm. alcoholism is part of that story. I just, you know, I think back to 2017, which is like a different lifetime and how I had gone down the rabbit hole on the endocannabinoid system. You know, I'm of the variety of I get interested in something and I go so deep on it. I'm in it for like two or three years. (laughs) Brought that up today. I was like, oh yeah, the endocannabinoid system. I should talk about that again because it's so important. (laughs) Well, you did did an outstanding job in 2017. I'm sure in 2024, you'll do an even better job. Right. Uh, You know, I am really happy to bring you on the show today because you have so many things going on in your life. But I really want our listeners to know, uh, I know you're a teetotaler, yes, correct? Correct. So, you know, this show is really about supporting women in this alcohol-free journey and whatever that looks like. You know, there's so many different paths today and I'm so, so freaking grateful for that. You know, and the pandemic is, I think, 
had a huge impact on that. You know, pre-pandemic, it was, you know, you go to treatment, you go to a 12-step program, and then hopefully something happens. And now there are so many options. So for those of us who live, like I live in long-term recovery, I'm, I just celebrated 27 years. And I think you have 20 something years of living as a teetotaler, 25 um, years long, oh, you're long-term gosh. too. Yeah. Long-term as well. Sort of 20, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 20 years. Yeah. Which I, I freaking love. I just love the length of that, that it's possible to live a life free of a glorified substance, right? That just destroys us. And especially women. Do you want to talk about how it destroys women? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, um, I, I am the adult child of an alcoholic and that's my exposure to alcoholism. Mm -hmm. But my parent was, was my father, actually not my mother. Um, I was, however, the, the woman of the Mm -hmm. house, because Mm -hmm. from the age of 12 to the age of 14, when he committed suicide, I was Mm. the person who was there picking up the pieces. And I have watched an alcoholic at close quarters through the eyes of a child mm-hmm. trying to understand, mm-hmm. wanting to love this person who changed personality dramatically and who also had um, what we now call bipolar at the time, manic mm. depression. Mm-hmm. And I have, as a health coach, I have had a number of clients who have been either bipolar Mm. um, or alcoholic, or in some cases there's crossover. And often when the case of bipolar, there is a component of addiction Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And it could be to, it's usually to a substance that is, that is a crutch. It it gives you, it brings you to a place that is better than where you were before Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's nicotine or, you know, a hard drug or alcohol. And we know from the work of, say, Christopher Palmer at Harvard Med School that, um, you know, alcoholics, they're reaching in the morning because my father would reach for vodka first thing. He couldn't start the day without vodka. When you do that, the brain can turn it into acetate and can actually use that. And you get focus for a few hours because actually, you know, you need to get three things done. At least you have a few things you need to get done in that day. And in that space of an hour, when the brain is using it as as a fuel, using the alcohol as a fuel, you do get those few things done and then the wheels fall off and you might not have any memory of what else you have done in the hours that follow. Um, so I can only speak to it as a woman who who had to do the picking up of the pieces. And um, my father was happily a very, he was a very jolly drunk. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm very lucky because it's not always that way. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, he would do things like drive the car right. under the influence. And that is obviously extraordinarily dangerous. Um, you don't want these folks with with knives 
or doing anything silly. Right. Um, such as one time I remember um, he heard a plane outside. He was a big airplane aficionado. He said, I think it's a whatever type of plane. He ran outside, the door slammed behind him. I had been baking cookies inside. The um, We were locked out. He knew that the oven was on, the cookies mm -hmm. would burn. And so mm -hmm. he extrapolated the house was going to burn down. So he oh put his hand through the window to get in. And of course, as he pulled it out, just tore all the skin oh off, my off his knuckles. And uh -huh. I was the person that was picking those knuckles off mm -hmm. of my windowsill. It happened to be my bedroom window that he went through. And, you know, as a, as a, as a young woman, it's sort of, gee, this person needs help, but mm -hmm. how do I help them? How do I help them? And I'm very pleased that now there are many more alternatives. Yeah. There are ways for people to be empowered to understand also not to have the shame. I think that's the other thing. I think he mm -hmm. felt a great amount of shame. And I think women very acutely feel shame mm -hmm. because we're meant to be good girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think now we know we don't need to feel that shame that uh, alcoholism, it's a disease and you need to understand your body and empower yourself with the knowledge of how to fuel you your unique bioindividual energy needs. Mm -hmm. And that might be through something like ketones, for instance, right? So, so yeah, just like you, like I pause you there, Leslie. <laughs> you said just so much, and thank you for sharing the, the intimate details, right? The, those details. Um, reveal a history, right? That creates you and that your creation then creates your path, your path then creates this company and this product that you've created, you know? So I think all of these little um, points in our lives are so relevant to who we are today. And, you know, alcoholism, it, you were talking about bipolar and alcoholism and, you know, in the work that I do, I, I look at somebody's genetics, their profile, and I look at the DR, the specific genes and the propensity, and it just baffles me how, uh, people are not, I mean, we can all look at our, our genes now that's it's, it's available to us and how people are still kind of like, nah, I don't want to do that. And we have all these, these pieces of technology, all this information to better our lives. And so let's go back in time for a minute and just think, would your dad have even looked at his genes to see his genetics? Do you think? I think at the end, I think he was so desperate. I mean, mm -hmm. I was living with him alone because his marriage had broken down. Uh -huh. Um, he had, gotten a DUI, yeah. you know, had been taken to jail, uh, had to be bailed out by my mother. I think that was probably, you know, the mm. last straw for her. And at a certain point, when you hit rock bottom, you need, you need yeah. something. You're you going something. to rehab or you, you commit to, to AA. And perhaps if I had been the one who had come yeah. to him and said, 
hey, I'm curious about this. And he was he was a genealogy buff, so I probably would have tried to get him hooked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't you like to know? Right. Um, you know, let's look and see the genealogy. And oh, there's this whole section on uh-huh, health. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fascinating, right? Yeah, it's so it's it is fascinating to me. I, I have not met one um person in my practice who doesn't have a specific gene that is lit up or, you know, in this pathway uh, for mood, we'll call them mood issues, mood behavior challenges, right? And these Mm -hmm. challenges, they can be um, corrected. They can be supported lifestyle interventions, right? And I don't, it's like, I God, I wish more people would just wake up to that thought. And you also mentioned that you're a survivor of suicide. Well, my dad did commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. that's and pretty. I was the one who found him. Oh, God. And what that does just to how old you were 12, 13? Um, 14. 14. Incredible, incredible life story. And incredible that you have not followed into that path, right? Isn't the yeah, percentage? Yeah. Incredible. I just love that. Uh, and I know over the years, you've had a lot of health challenges. We can really, I can really connect with you on that as well. Um, auto, I'm an autoimmune survivor and thriver as well. And you've had some challenges in your hat in your past. And I'd love for you to just explain a little bit, this awakening around your immune condition. Like, did you see it coming? Let's go there. Well, I was, um, I was a person who burned the candle at both ends. And mm-hmm. I think that Adult children of alcoholics, we can either follow the path of our parents or we can prove that we're the anti, you know, we're the antithesis of that parent. And I was determined to be the opposite of my father, who, you know, unnecessarily I was judging him from a young age, which is, I now know is wrong. And I've since made peace. I probably made peace with him about 20 years ago. But it's, um, you know, I wanted to be the opposite. So I worked incredibly hard. I had a, an online matchmaking startup. I was living in Hong Kong. I was, um, I'd gone through the 2000.com crash. I'd taken venture capital money. I um, really wanted to give a profit back to my, you know, investors. I had a huge sense of duty and obligation. And uh, probably tied up with this, I cannot be a failure. I cannot be like my dad. And uh, it just, you know, it all kind of came to a head. Uh, I was trying to get pregnant at the same time. Uh, my husband at the time said, you know. Wait, how old were you? How old you were? I was probably, I was in my 30s then. So we probably, I was probably 38. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 38. And mm-hmm. I'd been doing it for a number of years. So I, I, I took investment capital in 1999 and had, you know, went on until J- July, 2003, when, you know, my husband said enough is enough, you know, we need to have a baby. You've got to give this up. And, and I did, but, uh, and we moved to Colorado and that was quite a change. And I had to really slow down. And all of a sudden, everything fell apart. 
And I think that sometimes, you know, the body's just trying to hold it together to get through a really stressful period. And when the stressful period is over, kind of like Christmas, you know, we're working, working hard to get through the holiday period, make sure everything's perfect for everybody else. And as soon as it's over, we all get sick. As soon as I was done, um, you know, selling off this company, selling off the, you know, the assets and things, I... I got very sick and I noticed that my my hands were hurting. I couldn't use scissors, couldn't turn doorknobs or turn faucets uh, without pain and couldn't type and just went to the doctor who gave me the news that um that I was that I had rheumatoid arthritis. And it, on the one hand you think, "Oh, that's great. I knew something was wrong." And you sort of feel relieved you've got a diagnosis, but the on the other hand you're thinking Okay, now what? Well, she gave me the immune suppressants. And then she said, and by the way, you also have something called lupus. It's not just the RA. And uh, there is no cure for that. And and I, you know, I sort of looked at her, looked at the certificates that were framed on the wall behind her, looked at her name mm-hmm. on her white jacket and was thinking, but wait, I'm paying you. You have to solve this problem for me. And I was that kind of a patient at the time. Mm-hmm. I pay you, you solve my problem. This is a transaction. Not understanding that that's not how it works. No. We have to collaborate with our practitioners, right? And this is a two-way street and they do not have all the answers. And in fact, we have more answers than we know. And the body has an innate wisdom of how to heal if we can just bring it to that place of balance and homeostasis. But that might mean making a lot of lifestyle changes. So this, um, this diagnosis, which initially seemed quite bad because she said, I did tell her, look, I'm I'm going through infertility treatment. I'm on my fifth IVF. I've done three IUIs. I've got donor eggs now. I'm mixed race. You have no idea how hard it is to find mixed race donor eggs. You know, I can't blow it by having this disease. Make this go away. And she just looked at me and said, look, you've got you've got a good five years left. You, you can't do this. Don't do that IVF round. Okay, wait, you have a good five years left. That's it. You're done. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You're done. Don't do there's no point. There's no point in doing oh my this. God. I doctors, I can't okay, keep going. Well, and now, you know, bear in mind this is 20 years ago. So things have changed. Things have changed. I don't think practitioners then really understood how much force and power and energy their words have or had for patients. And uh, luckily, I mean, there were two camps of patients. So the patients were like, whoa, that's it, game over, get my affairs in order, give up. And then there are the patients like me who are sort of refused to hear la, 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 la. No, I'm I'm going to use this as an opportunity to look under every rock for a possible answer. I'm throwing the kitchen sink at this. I'll do anything. And I did. I did Mayan mm-hmm. uterine massage. I was tincturing my own echinacea. Mm-hmm. I went on an anti-inflammatory diet, was making my own almond milk, mm-hmm. uh, got off of dairy and gluten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I was meditating. I was walking in the Rockies every day. I was, of course, not working. I was mm-hmm. doing yoga. I did everything. And I did make peace with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a little ceremony 
uh, wrote down everything that I had to say to him because mm -hmm. trauma can be a part of this yep. diagnosis and, um, and really wanted to make peace with him and do it with love. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I did a little ceremony and I burned that and I wished him well and told him I loved him and, you know, wanted him with me. And, uh, and that was, you know, that was, that was really beautiful, but that was one of the many things that I did. And I have no idea exactly which of these things worked, but, mm -hmm. um, I also did something called intravenous immunoglobulin, which is a, tra a transfusion it takes about four hours. And it was uh, $12,000 for each one at the time mm -hmm. I'd done the research just looking for anything that could help with the RA or the lupus. And there were small human trials that showed that this seemed to work for some people. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, if I'm going to die of something, I may mm -hmm. as well be in control of it. So I, uh, you know, I tried it. I had a lot of immunologist acquaintances, friends, um, and professionals who I consulted and they all said, no, it's far too risky. Um, but the research, I looked at the research and I thought, this seems, this seems to be helping no, you know, people who, who are beyond help. Let's try. And did two rounds of that. And when I went to test again within six months of my initial diagnosis, I was in remission. Mm. So all those cytokines and tumor necrosis factor alpha levels that had been sky high. The doctor said it looked like my body was fighting cancer. Mm. Everything had dropped to normal back mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. where it should be. Mm -hmm. And I think what it did, I think it retrained my immune system. Mm -hmm. And then I removed the triggers with that anti-inflammatory diet. So I have, uh, of course, as part of that, I had to go off the alcohol. I mean, I take some socially, but I just stopped it. It always felt like a kind of poison to me anyway, mm -hmm. to be really honest. I only mm -hmm. did it to be, as I said, sociable and, um, and just, just went off of it. But that, that was my introduction to, to self-empowerment. And it's the kind of message that I would want my dad to have. Mm -hmm. And now I think there, there's knowledge out there around mm -hmm. alcoholism. Um, there are things that there are resources and tools and, and support groups, right? But it's got to be about uh, empowerment. And he, you know, at the time mm -hmm. he really, he really didn't. He didn't have his chance. His chances were not fair. And yeah. that really, that really makes me angry when I think mm. about how mm -hmm. little help was given to alcoholics, how little help was given to manic depressives. Today, I still think with mental health, mm -hmm. I think there is still a stigma around things like bipolar, oh, schizophrenia, incredible. depression. You know, what's yep. wrong with them? These mm -hmm. are diseases, but patients need to know that. You need to arm yourself with knowledge and then learn your own body, right? Yeah. We are each end of one experiments and then find out what works best for you and let your body then heal. Because it I constantly, 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 constantly say that exact thing. Knowledge is power. You have to learn about your own body yeah. because everyone is so unique, right? Everybody's yeah. DNA is completely, you're it. That's it. Yeah. So I want to go back to this moment of you having this diagnosis and looking at the doctor and, and because I had that, um, in 1994, I was diagnosed as well. And 
at that time, you know, we're looking at Merck manuals and going to the public library, right? That's what I was doing. Uh, it was very, like you said, it was a very different world. And when I took gluten out of my diet back then, people thought I was absolutely insane, <laughs> yeah. right? There was no gluten-free back then, 1994. There was no, no, like that wasn't even a thing. And I started getting better, right? Mm -hmm. So you said something really interesting to me about doing the internal work or writing a letter to your dad about the trauma, because I feel like there's so much connection uh, and I see it with clients and I see it directly related to, I'll bring it back to the DNA for a minute of how um, I can literally see like three, four generations in somebody's genes with trauma and how they're living their lives and what's happening to their bodies. But you said the magic, you, you took your time and you did some internal, you wrote things out and you don't know if that was what healed you, if the infusion healed you, but it was this culmination of things, which is so beautiful because some people get really, um, this is the thing that helped me very dogmatic about it. Like th that's it. And I love it when, you know, we're, we're open to experimenting because our lives are on the line, you yeah. know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And trauma is trauma leads to, um, you know, kind of chronic stress oh, because you're, you're pain. so easily triggered. You, you mm -hmm. kind of carry this, you know, your, your, your muscles are sort of always yeah. kind of holding this in and, um, and being able to release that yeah. and free it and let it go and then create something beautiful from it. Um, I'm sure it was very, was very helpful. I did visualizations at the same time. There mm -hmm. was a fellow at Columbia University who had a book on visualizations. I did literally everything. Everything, yeah. And I just, it was just, um, I see a lot of holes in my ceiling. I don't know which one is causing this gigantic flood mm. in, you know, around my feet, but I'm going to plug every single one of these that I see. Yeah. And that's that was the attitude that I went in with. Let's just fix it all. Yeah. And, um, and I had, I think that, that those of us who were given a, a diagnosis with a time limit, mm -hmm. um, then we are very motivated to, yeah. you know, let's wax our skis. Let's get this done right now. You know, yeah, yeah let's go. Well, yeah. th that's it right there. I mean, you know, five years is not a lot of time. Right. Yeah. And here you are trying to conceive a child and become a mother. Um, when I was diagnosed, they told me, yeah, you'll never have a kid. So don't think about that ever again. Yeah. And I kind of put that away. I was like, okay, I'm done with that. Um, you know, I now have a 14 year old. Uh, Congratulations. So, but, and you have a, like you have kids too now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like <clears throat> there's something really incredible about taking your health into your hands. Yeah. Really empowering to do that. And so you have two kids now? Is that I have two kids. The eldest is adopted and the youngest is biological, kind yeah. of miracle. Yeah. Didn't believe it would happen. Got the thyroid piece fixed. Mm -hmm. And um, and within 
literally two to three weeks of getting that piece fixed, starting armor thyroid, I was yeah. pregnant. I had no idea. You know, after years of scheduling, planning, mm -hmm. testing, when am I ovulating? <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. All of that jazz and going through so many procedures. My goodness, I'd been prodded like cattle. Right. right. And uh, had always tried to do everything, drank tons of wheatgrass juice, oh, got all the acupuncture, you know, mm -hmm. when, the eggs were, when the embryos were transferred, he had the acupuncturist mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. with my legs wide open as they're uh -huh. putting the, the embryos. And I mean, it was just, it mm -hmm. was ridiculous. I was doing everything and it didn't work. And, um, and then once that, once that tiny, tiny piece, it was $36 at the time to get armor thyroid for a month's supply. Once I had that mm -hmm. and go, it just, the body was fully in balance. Yep. So I'd been in remission, but we hadn't figured out that I'd lost almost all of my thyroid. And you know, so many women are walking around, so many humans, let's just take it there. But, yeah. you know, I know the woman who's listening now is like, well, the, my hormones are out of whack, right? She's in perimenopause, menopause, you know, she's having the night sweats, you know, her, her hair and her skin are changing. Mm. You know, the hormones, hormones are everything. We need to get those checked. And how old were you when you started that thyroid? I was 42. Let's see. Were it would have been in, uh, yeah, that's right. It would have been around around this time uh, of year that I conceived and it was, uh, I was 42 and then I yeah. delivered at age 43. Where, and you were probably on estrogen and progesterone as well, or did you I have wasn't. enough? I wasn't. Okay. I, that's I great. Just, I was doing, I was doing nothing because mm -hmm. I, I had gone in remission from okay. all of my, yep. the lupus all of my and, illnesses. Yep. Yeah. And I presumed that I was extremely tired and I couldn't understand. I had only one child. Mm -hmm. I had one little dog and I had a helper who mm -hmm. could cook meals, who could take the dog out for a walk. And I could see all these mothers with three and four kids and they were head of their scout troop and they had these allotment gardens, you know, which we have here in mm -hmm. Britain. And they were, you know, they were, they were making their own clothes. They were doing ridiculous things. And I just thought, how do they have this energy? Mm -hmm. And I am mm -hmm. just trying to peel myself out of bed and off the ground. And, um, and I, I went to Dr. Google and I put all my symptoms in. I know we're not supposed to do it, but I did. I, at that time, it was 2000. And um, let's see, when was this? It would have been around 2007. And I, I just kept coming up with hypothyroid, hypothyroid and went to the NHS doctor. They said, no, you're, you're normal because the diagnosis here in Britain is just blood-based. If your TSH is normal and your T4 is normal, then you're fine. T4 is just the raw thyroid hormone, but it's got to be converted. And I'm actually a terrible converter genetically. You can see it. And, uh, but we didn't know this at the time. And uh, then I went to a private doctor, said exactly the same thing, this private endocrinologist. And then I went onto patient forums. And that's where I think the real gold is. Then you meet people who are at the, the face of the culpit of your illness. 
and they, some of them have figured it out and you listen to them and you hear what worked for them. And people were saying, there's this one guy and unfortunately he's been hounded out of the medical system in Great mm-hmm. Britain. His name was Dr. Barry Peatfield Durant. He wrote a book mm-hmm. on the thyroid and he himself had been hypothyroid and he had been using armor thyroid in Great Britain. This is desiccated pig thyroid yep. for yep. I think 25 years prior. But here in Britain, because we went towards just blood diagnosis and only synthetic thyroid, in America, you have a choice. We do not have a choice here in Great Britain. So um, so he, he had seen that it was very successful as transformative in people's lives. And so he told me how I could diagnose myself. And for anybody listening, it's very easy. You just, before you get out of bed in the morning, while you're still lying down, you measure your pulse and you also put a thermometer under your tongue and you take your basal body temperature and your pulse five mornings in a row and you just check to see if they are ridiculously low. My pulse was 50. All the doctors I saw said, oh, 50, oh, that's athletic. I was like, I am the least athletic person you know. I get breathless when I go upstairs. I feel dizzy when I stand up. I, you know, my, I I don't want to go outside because my hands and feet are freezing. I get even more cold when I go outside. So I had all the classic symptoms of hypothyroidism, but they diagnosed me as athletic and uh, my body temperature was really, really low. Well, unfortunately we can't use those clinical symptoms for diagnosis here in Great Britain Uh, Some doctors in the United States know that you should, and you should look for things like hair loss and Mm -hmm. also loss of the outer third of the eyebrows, the the hair tugs uh, symptoms, Um, poor Achilles reflex and, Mm. um, you know, lower blood pressure when you stand as opposed to when you're sitting Mm because the heart has to pump more and it just can't. So uh, thanks to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I really went underground. I really talked to other patients. They were, they empowered me yeah. and mm-hmm. they were the ones who had the knowledge and they were brave enough to share the knowledge because they were pissed off with the system. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my whole, my raison d'etre is helping empower other people, you know, before ahead of anything else I do, it is all mm-hmm. about patient empowerment, inspiring other people yep. to really believe in themselves yep. and to get the education, right? To it's learn so about their bodies. Yeah, it's so important. There's nothing more valuable. Um, and now we're living longer, thanks mm-hmm. partly due to you know the wonders of medical science. But the problem is, uh, in particular with women, we live, we outlive men by about five years, but it's almost always in poor health. I don't want to live my last five years in poor health. I Mm -hmm. want to live my last five years in, you know, rocking good health, right? (laughs) I want to have a great time. And the quality of life is so Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to empower ourselves as soon as we can, so that we can ensure that we have that quality of life, that joy, that Mm -hmm. ability to, um, you know, to have have good mood, have great energy, um, have that vitality and vibrancy 
that comes with good health. I'm always talking about my future self. Like, I just know she's going to be rocking, you know, I'm living to 105. Uh, and you know, I just want to go to sleep, you know, like I've seen, I've hung around enough, um, more mature people and, and, and just seen them in homes and seen them taking, being, you know, cared for 24 seven, um, you know, the mental decline, uh, my mother-in-law had was just devastating. And so that's been part of my, and I, you know, now I have a 14 year old, right. So I have, I'm thinking like, I want to be able to enjoy as much time as possible with this, this being. And so the last, I don't know, the last COVID really did a number on me, Leslie, it like put me in a bad place. And um, I lost my food abstinence. I was abstinent from food and stuff for like 15 years. And, you know, it was like day five of the pandemic and I started eating potato chips and I was like, F this. Right. And you know. well, there were quite a few of us who did. I mean, you yeah. would be forgiven for a few transgressions. <laughs> Things did look like they were going to hell at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty devastating for me, you know, and uh, it, I didn't lose my alcohol, you know, my sobriety in that regard, but it, it really, you know, the mental decline that I had in those three years, my physical being, you know, everything. And then I fell. I fell in, uh, up in Portland at an event that I had went to. And I, it really, it freaked me out because I was in so much, A, I was in so much pain, but I couldn't get up. I couldn't physically carry myself or hold myself. Um, and I, it was this, oh my God, time is ticking. And I share this story quite often because I want ladies to hear, like, we only have so much time. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not putting in this effort, if we're not eating clean, um, taking the supplements, uh, working out, doing weight bearing exercise, you know, the body just kind of disintegrates because of the, the world that we live in, you know, we're under such an extreme amount of stress, you know, we're on technology all day long, which is just rewiring the way that we think and how we operate. And, you know, all of that stuff starts to uh, degrade our cells and it starts to um, change the inside of us, which then changes the outside of us. Again, I'm going to go back to the skin and our hair. Everyone is interested. We see it every day. We wake up to it in the mirror. Right. So it is important. So let's transition to the beautiful product that you have brought to market, uh, Primadine. I was an early adapter. Uh, and Thank then, <laughs> yeah, and and I have seen really great things with it. But like, how did you, like, who who gets into Spermidine? Who, like, like, what is that? <laughs> Who gets into spermidine? Well, I don't know if I told you this, but back in 2000, uh, an Italian daily newspaper called me the high priestess of sex in China because of my oh online my matchmaking company there. So, so maybe this was predestined. I don't maybe. know. Um, luckily, the work that I had done in Asia around sexology. And I had actually attended the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. 
So I have an associate Yay. certification from them. Um, I was not afraid of words like spermidine. And uh, I was at the time living here in Oxford. It's a university town. It's like Cambridge, Mass or Palo Alto or Berkeley. And uh, I had started fundraising for a bunch of uh, regenerative medicine startups. I felt that these were the unloved uh, orphans of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. investment community here at Oxford because they, you know, they were really going for moonshots. They were looking at stem cells and mm. stem cell expansion, um, fluids, you know, things to make uh, like the, the stem cells and umbilical cords get, mm -hmm. you get mm -hmm. more. Um, and someone uh, who was running the biotech portfolio for one of the funds here said, Oh, you're you, you know, you pointing at me, you, what? the Berkeley, the Berkeley person, the hippie, the Californian, you would be really into something that's going on over in rheumatology. Uh, also, he knew about my rheumatoid arthritis background. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what's happening there? He said, it's, you know, it's really intriguing. It's something called spermidine. Mm. Um, but you'll never get you'll never get um, any investment for it because there's no patent on it. It's just a food, and I you know I love it when people say it's just a food, right? We forget that plants, most of our medicines, major medicines, uh -huh. uh, major major medical discoveries come from plants, right? Um, if we look at magic mushrooms, they are a food actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and they have, they can be very, very bioactive. So mm -hmm. I went over to rheumatology and I met a couple of academics there, an immunology professor and her postdoc. And they had done experiments using um, mice who were older. And uh, they were looking at what happens to the immune system when you are older. Um, basically, the immune system malfunctions. And so you and I, with our um, autoimmune conditions, we were actually aging prematurely. That's what was going on. Our immune system was unable to properly identify our own tissue from an invading tissue. So it turned friendly fire onto our own tissue. But when that happens, we're also more susceptible to cancer because our bodies cannot properly identify cancer and get rid of it. And our bodies are also more susceptible to infection from bacteria, viruses, fungi, because we, our immune cells just, they don't know what they're doing, right? They've gone AWOL. And so this mouse study, they, they had two cohorts of mice, uh, young mice and older mice, uh, age match to healthy age match, not to healthy humans, but just age match to humans age 60 and above. That's when the immune system begins to fall apart, age 60 and above. And they gave each of them a flu vaccine. So here in Great Britain, one of the things that, that the NHS prides itself on is every year, everybody age 60 and above has the flu vaccine. And it's great. It's a, at great cost to the NHS, but also at great cost to the surgeries that do it. The NHS clinics because so much time is taken up to do this. And they could see that when you gave these older mice a flu vaccine, their antibodies went up and they dropped back down. It just had like no effect, zero effect. And 
of course, there is an implication for what's going on in humans. Do those vaccines do anything in humans? So then they gave um, the same two cohorts, young mice, old mice, spermidine, and vaccines, the flu vaccine. Now, this time, the antibodies went way up, and in the older cohort, they stayed for longer. They were higher antibodies and better response. And the reason they think this happened is because older mice, actually their immune cells have been around the block a few times. And so they have a wider library of pathogens that they can better recognize. And so they can say, oh, this flu looks a bit like that flu I had in 1965. Let's try and, you know, raise antibodies that look like this. And um, so now, since then, um, there have been more studies and there is a human trial that has been completed and the paper is being written and is being peer reviewed now. So that'll be very exciting when it comes out. But there are over 13,000 studies on the class of molecules to which spermidine belongs. They're called polyamines. That's just a fancy word to mean it's coming from amino acids. Those amino acids would be L-ornithine, L-arginine, and uh, methionine, and uh, SAMI, which is important for mood, by the way. And um, I looked at some of the other studies and I just, I couldn't believe it. There were so many benefits and the way that it helped in particular triggering a cell preservation, regeneration and recycling function called autophagy. And autophagy was the subject of the 2016 Nobel prize in physiology or medicine which went to a Japanese academic named Yoshinori Osumi, with whom we are very lucky to work. He's senior advisor to the Japan Autophagy Consortium. We're the only non-Japanese member of that industry, government, academic group. And um, what's, what's really exciting about autophagy is that it helps our stem cells and our mitochondria stay young. Um, and that is, uh, it's also very important for, for proper protein folding. So inside the cell, we need proteins to be folded properly. And I always say it's a little bit like Marie Kondo. You know, do you want a messy drawer where you don't fold anything? Or do you want to have your socks lined up perfectly so you can just reach in there and get what you need? In order for our cells to function properly, the cell needs to be tidy. Things need to be folded properly. And... Um, and so this degradation process, getting rid of the old dysfunctional bits, the clutter, just like Marie Kondo in your home, allows the cell to function better. And at least with immune cells, you can get rid of senescent immune cells. So these are the zombie cells that uh, go around and they infect healthy cells. So being able to get rid of the 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 dysfunctional zombie senescent immune cells is very important as we get older because we need our immune system to be in tip-top shape to both recognize our own tissue from non-tissue, you know, foreign tissue. We need it to recognize pathogens and we need it to recognize cancer. And spermidine does that. And that's what, what's really quite exciting about it. But it's also an, an anti-inflammatory as well. And it's very good for the gut. 
So we know that a lot of disease begins in the gut. Well, I guess we've known it since Hippocrates, but we're only remembering it now. And um, spermidine, in spite of the name with the word sperm in it, is actually in huge quantities in breast milk. And it's there to help seal up the nascent gut lining of the baby mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. activate immune cells. But it also helps uh, increase mucin, uh, the mucus of the of the gut, and it also helps uh, seal up the tight junctions, tight junctions so that proteins, undigested proteins, don't get through into the bloodstream and raise an inappropriate immune response. Because sometimes those proteins look like proteins on our thyroid or in our cartilage or on our skin or in our hair follicles where we might lose it. Now, the interesting thing about hair and breastfeeding is that uh, when we breastfeed, we mothers in our wisdom as mothers gives all our spermidine, which keeps our hair in the growth phase. Mm. It gives all of it to the baby because mm-hmm. the baby is more important, is deemed more important than we are. We're the old generation. We don't yeah. matter. Once we've reproduced, we've done what we've come here for. They're, they are the promise. They are what we were here to bring forth. And this is why a lot of women get hair fall. Mm. Um, can also be low thyroid as well. And then women sometimes get postnatal depression. Well, mm. guess what? You're giving away all your methionine, all that SAMe, which we often give to people for mood. So you're giving all your SAMe away to make spermidine. You find you're depressed, you're losing your hair, you may have given away your thyroid hormones. Well, this could certainly drive somebody to drink to feel yeah, better, right? right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there there are some interesting ties with um with breastfeeding. But the bottom line with spermidine is that on the inside, you it inhibits nine of the different pathways down which we age. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that it even inhibits all 12. Wow. Yeah. Um, We don't know with the senescent cells because we can only see it in immune cells and in lung cells. It's incredible. It's really wonderful to have these products, right? And to have the evidence that really shows clearly how it's working. And then when you actually take it and experience that, you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is amazing. I, I want to know about your experience because I haven't been able to talk to you about it. Yeah. So my fingernails and hair grow like it, it's weed. It's like a yeah. weed. Yeah. I, I yeah. haven't, you know, I don't, maybe I need to up the dose or something, but I really want to reverse the gray. Like I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have other ideas for you because it's not, it's not the only reason for gray hair. And I have a whole YouTube channel called Leslie's new prime, L-E-S-L-I-E-S, the new prime that talks all about the many different reasons for gray hair. But um, in order for hair pigment to be made, your hair follicles must be in the growth phase of the hair follicle life cycle. Mm -hmm. And spermidine will put the hair follicles into the growth phase. Now that doesn't mean that melanin is definitely going to happen in the same way that having sunshine and water doesn't mean that a seed will germinate, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's a condition. It's a precondition for that thing to happen. So 
I wonder how it would work with um, melanotin one, the peptide. Yeah. Right. Like I, I just started doing that and I just started using GHKCU as well. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll start to see a little shift. You, you, you might, you might see some, um, maybe some taurine as well, yeah. which is um, tyrosine, uh-huh. um, could be interesting copper. I mean, in my, right. we were talking about daily habits. One of my daily habits is I have half a teaspoon of raw cacao in my coffee mm, delicious. and that could be, you know, that could be it. Uh-huh. Um, there's an herb called foti, which is, uh, I've never heard of this one. The Chinese, the Chinese take it, um, yeah. and it is good for good for hair color as well. Okay. Um, I put that in my coffee too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, there there are other things. Vitamin D. Who knew? Yeah. You know, we need enough vitamin D. We need enough glutathione. Um, we need to OD on vitamin D. Like that's I tell all my clients, all my patients. I'm like, you have to more vitamin D. <laughs> like, yeah, know? and actually, low vitamin D is connected to hair loss as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also something. You know, mothers, new mothers, get out there yeah. in the sunshine if you can. Yeah, um, because. I know you're exhausted, but you do need to get out. You do need to keep those D levels up. Um, so there, I, I can work with you separately on how to hack that. Uh, I probably my, need my to hair. do some more videos. Yeah, yeah. Help me, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 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 faster hair and nail growth mm-hmm. is a sign of faster cell proliferation. And this is one of the the I always say. I feel like it's a proxy for what's going on inside with the gut lining, mm. which needs to renew itself between every three to seven days, depending on who you read. And um, we want that cell lining yeah. to have solid integrity. It needs to be continually replenished. And um, and so I see this as, like I say, as a proxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, people see improvement in sleep as well with their wearable devices, like their aura rings, yep. but it's the, I think it's the, the, uh, the fact that you can see a change and maybe mm-hmm. eyelashes too. I certainly, I noticed eyelashes first, um, that means people are like, oh, well actually maybe the supplement is doing something on the yeah. inside. Right. So there's and- some. One thing that I want to just say really quickly, because I, we're going to have to wrap up and I could sit here and talk with you all day because we're both nerds mm-hmm. on this stuff, but I know that our listener, her time it's is limited like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're and she's long. listening to this in pieces and we have jam packed this episode with so much juicy information. <laughs> but one thing that I find so fascinating is that your biological, your, your age right now is 21, right? You're, yeah, I know. I, I so, couldn't believe it either. So yeah. did you do that mm-hmm. only through using the spermidine, are you using peptides and other therapies no, as well? I'm not just, using, I'm not using peptides. No, just no. doing it. You just did it with the, Oh my God. How long did that take? Well, so I, you know, I, I don't know because my first ever biological age test was done in the uh, summer. It was with okay. Glycanage. I happened okay. to be at a conference and the folks yeah. that were like, Oh, Leslie, you know, they were on the same product that you are. They were on the Primadine GF. The woman, the COO there said, yeah. I love your product. It helps so much with my sleep. You've got to take our test. And I was like, do you know, it's so stressful for me. I'm going through divorce. I've, you know, got two teenage girls at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my own business. This is, I'm, this is going to be, it's going to be a crash and burn, but uh-huh. okay, fine. If you really want to do it, go ahead. And I've just gone on 
you know, a red eye to Florida, but oh go my ahead, God. take, take it, take my test. And they took it. And I, I couldn't believe the results. I was mm -hmm. shocked. And as a matter of fact, what's even more shocking is that the, um, the Bond girl and Catwoman actress, Halle Berry, just posted on her Facebook feed that she took the glycan age test mm -hmm. before Christmas mm -hmm. and her mm -hmm. biological age was 40. Mm. So she's 57. I'm 58. Yeah. She uh, is a type one diabetic and I've, you know, got a bunch of yeah. autoimmune conditions. Yeah. I was, I just, I was shocked. I thought, I don't know how I've got this result. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, there's something wrong with their test, but they they swear up and down that they have people who are, you know, who are even older than their chronological age. I so, think, you know, understand again, knowledge is power. Yeah. Right? That's what we need to know. Knowledge is power. Uh, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, these two both know their ages. So I'm uh my biological age is 48 mm -hmm. and I am 50. How old am I? 55, I think. Uh but I, I just started my protocol. Like I just started the the regulators as well this yep. year. Okay. Yep. yep. So, and I tested through Novos. So I'll okay. be testing again uh, next June to see where yeah. I'm at. And that will I, be really interesting. Yeah. I, I know that I'm going to be, I, I just already know I can feel it in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if yeah, you but, notice the changes on the outside, yeah. chances are high, there's something going on that's good on the, on the inside. inside. Yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. want to um, plug, you know, Primadine, uh, you can go over to oxfordhealthspan.com. You can use my code lane15 and you'll get a generous discount of 15%, which is super cool. Uh, you're going to get a 30 day supply. I think that's what it comes in. Right. Correct. Leslie? Yep. Yep. And you're going to want to take it for your hair, your nails, your skin, your sleep, because we ladies, we need that deep sleep for all the restorative benefits that Leslie and I have been talking about. Leslie, you've given us so much juicy information. I, I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. I just want to say thank you for hanging out. Well, thank you. It was really fun. I'm sorry. I feel like I talked for too long. No, <laughs> this is so really good. <laughs> telling you, you're my people. Uh, yeah, so we are people are going to head on over to Oxford Healthspan. Use the code LANE15 for your discount. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And tomorrow we'll be back. I promise. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.